0: welcome back to podcast 16 of 2023 i'm your host kiev o'neill you can follow me on twitter at obkiev. kiev follows at the follow us fossil social media slash the eyesbreakers this episode is being brought to you by Shot Quality Bets. For 30% off Shot Quality Bets, please visit Shot Quality. Use the promo code Odds 23 Get a new perspective in betting college basketball. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com. Click shop, become a member, pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Oz and become a free picks and Telegram newsletter subscriber. It is March, my friends, and the madness is here. At the Oddsbreakers, we have some specials for you. My March Madness package is all the way down to 150 bucks for the rest of the year. If you did not benefit from this year's plays, you now have a chance for March Madness, where I was 62% last year. All premium members get a polo shirt for our promotion. We'll soon have baseball packages as well. Any early bird packages will also receive that promotion. Can't wait for baseball season already made some future bets. And of course, our NCAA tournament challenge is coming for any podcast listener and any fan of the odds breakers. So you can benefit from our free $500 giveaway for the top three finishers in the NCAA Tournament Challenge. I also score our Tournament Challenge a little bit better than the rest. I don't quite put too much emphasis on the champion in the Final Four like others do. You know, some brackets have it, so none of the upsets that you picked into the Sweet 16 even matter so much if you do not get the Final uh, Championship right. So I don't have it like that. We've had winners that didn't have the final game picked, so keep that in mind. We try to make it so you have an opportunity to win just for picking the most games right, not just the champion. It does go up in points, but I like the format that we do here at the Odds Breakers much better than the rest. Well, we have a great show for you today because we have a loaded weekend of college basketball and UFC 285, and nobody better to bring on the podcast than Lou Finicaro from gamloo.com and the bout business podcast to break down UFC 285. Cannot wait to get into that. Before Lou comes on, I am going to get right into some college basketball final games for the weekend before the big conference tournaments and as you know from our earlier podcast this week some conference tournaments have already begun all right let's get started then with some buy low sell high for march 4th through march 11th
1: buy low sell high that's my motto i may just quit my job at the power plant and become a full-time stock market guy
0: Starting with Buy Low, Wisconsin. Now, they're playing Purdue tonight, so by the time you get this podcast, you might have missed out if they cover this game. But I still think this has to do with how they're going to finish the season in Minnesota, and it's going to have to do with how they're going to do in the Big Ten tournament because Wisconsin's a bubble team. And to be completely honest, you're probably buying Low, on bubble teams, depending on who they're playing. If it's a bubble team versus a bubble team, then maybe you look more toward the totals market. But if it's a bubble team against a bad team, I expect them to cover with some margin. If it's a bubble team against a good team and this good team is motivated, then that could be where I stay away. That's just in general because they're a bubble team for a reason. They're not great. Wisconsin's definitely not great. But after Purdue, four and a half point dog, by the way, they have Minnesota on deck. Minnesota has probably mailed it in. Maybe they do one big performance finally for some of their seniors. Although the only senior they really have is uh, Taurus Samuels, and he's injured. So you uh, can't really throw senior night into this handicap so much. Like in Wisconsin, Creighton, now, this team is too good to mess with, in my opinion. I think their couple losses to Marquette and Villanova, if anything adds value to them, my perception of them hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, you can get Creighton to win the NCAA tournament at 30 to 1 right now. Not the worst odds, maybe to make the final four is where you would go. Where Creighton is uh seven to one. Uh, so you know not a terrible number on them they're probably a two to a three seed max so they would have to beat a one seed I am not that high on Houston Alabama or Purdue I am I am a little bit high on Kansas I think Kansas is the best team but there might be some value with Creighton to win either their conference tournament or maybe to make a little bit of uh, some noise in the NCAA tournament Villanova stick with the big east here they're a bubble team themselves they're not in the big dance but a win over UConn at the end might seal the deal for the cats here I think Villanova is a uh, buy low team still not getting much respect on Ken Palm finally have their best player back after missing most of the season sell high well, Vanderbilt did beat Kentucky, but wah, 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 their best player, Liam Robbins, got pretty injured, and that is bad. Now, the fact that they won that game makes me not give them the injury bump coming up here soon. I think this team is going to be in for some serious troubles when it comes to the SEC tournament. They don't play much defense, and Robbins is that big a deal to this team florida atlantic university easy conference conference usa no way this team is top 31 in the nation like ken Palm says two road games to finish the season and they have faltered away from home i will be looking to fade fau in the upcoming days and tennessee man If it doesn't get any worse for Rick Barnes, I just don't know how this guy survives at the end, especially with his track record and now losing his best point guard in Zakai Ziegler to a torn ACL. Now they might rally some at Auburn, but I don't know. I'm looking to fade them at least later if that Auburn line isn't where I think it's going to be but I do think this Auburn line is going to be playable, and I'm going to pivot right to our college basketball games for Saturday. Looking at this Tennessee versus Auburn spread. Man, this is I'm Ken Palm at Tennessee Three Point Road Chalk. No way in hell is it going to be there. I'm hoping for a pick, okay? The only buy point I don't have is if this thing is at three points already favored for Tennessee. I say get on this thing early. Auburn, if you watch that game against Alabama, got completely screwed. I mean, I think the SEC wanted to make sure that they're getting a one seed in the NCAA tournament because there was a 20 to 25 point home court advantage that I saw when Auburn was leading this team by double digits. They end up losing in overtime. By five points. But maybe it flips a little bit now that they're going home. And they need to get into the tournament. Because they kind of fell back on the bubble. Um, They play some good defense. They're 22nd in efficiency. Fourth in opponent three-point percentage. They stop the three. But the Vols shoot the three. And Without uh, Zakai Ziegler. <laughs> I don't know how good they're going to shoot the three. They only rank... 105th, or they do rank 105th and shoot 40% of their shots in three. So above average, they're shooting more threes than the average team, 105th in attempts. That's not good, especially when Auburn is so good for defending the three. Um, Vols on the road, (laughs) I think we've known this for a while, shooting 46.1 effective field goal percent. Auburn 49.8% at home. Big home run discrepancy on metrics. Tennessee, 358th away from home and will struggle against a now bubble team like Auburn. I see the motivation here for Auburn. Big win for senior night. They might get some whistles to help them. I like them at Pickham for three stars. Duh, winning. Next game is a big one. The biggest game in the ACC which I have to be honest, I think is a little underrated coming into the NCAA tournament. Duke versus North Carolina. North Carolina at Pickham, totals at 139. You know when these two teams face off for the second time, it is March, baby. UNC playing their way potentially into the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're quite in yet. Big win versus Virginia a couple days ago, maybe a week ago. Double-digit win at Florida State a few days ago. They did lose to the Dukies last time they played in February by six points, but I believe the tides have finally turned. Neither of these two teams shoot well. Duke 190th in effective field goal percent. Tar Heels at 241st. But what I do see is that Duke had it pretty easy in their last five wins. Four of those games were at home. Easier bottom part of the ACC is who they played. Uh, They're a poor road team in general, ranking 343rd away from home. North Carolina ranks 41st at home. One of the Blue Devils' problems is turning the ball over, and that's where I think North Carolina is going to capitalize. 218th in the nation, 18.7% of possessions they're turning over. North Carolina ranks 23rd in turnovers, only turnover, 15.3% of the possessions. I expect the Tar Heels to be very aggressive here. Ken Palm is looking for Duke probably a one-point favorite. I believe in this situation. I do know that Duke has gotten a little healthier, but North Carolina really hasn't lost much from last year in their big run in the NCAA tournament. They're very tested. I like their performance at a motivated Florida State. I just kind of think they're sleepwalking through the season, similar to what you see in the NBA nowadays. All of a sudden, they kind of really show up hard when it matters, and uh, that's what I see with uh north carolina so ken pom's got duke minus two i i don't see that i see pick them at minimum you it might be minus one minus two for north carolina but i'm taking this all the way up to minus two if not i'm going to probably take a money line play on north carolina after that after that tcu loss maybe i'm a little timid last night where texas uh threw up a garbage three to lose by two instead of five so yeah it wasn't uh not too excited about uh the two and a half anymore i know two and a half is normally a number i try to avoid but i'm going to try to avoid it because this is just such a tight game between these two teams i'm just hoping north carolina uh possibly is at a pick or something like that we're going to take north carolina in this situation for two stars
1: it's to swimming with bow-legged women
0: well, this Saturday slate is loaded, my friends, and I want to take a look at some of the bigger matchups coming up this Saturday, some of the more important ones as well. You have UCLA against Arizona. I mean, Haslametrics has this as a, like, eight-point spread. Um, I don't think it's going to be eight points. <laughs> UCLA is the number two team on Ken Palm. And they have it uh, Ken Palm's got it as a seven point spread the thing with Arizona. You know, they kind of fell off the number one seed since they lost to Stanford and it kind of switched over to UCLA. They did beat UCLA at home. Fifty eight to forty two. The true spread of this game is probably going to be four and a half or four. I'm probably going to be on Arizona if that's the case, because Uh, UCLA already won the Pac-12 regular season. That is not even counting if they lose tonight against Arizona State. They only have two uh, regular season losses against Arizona and USC in the Pac-12. You know, Arizona's got five of them. Um, Utah way early on December 1st. Washington State at home. Oregon on the road. But, you know, at the same time, they beat USC at home. And then UCLA, like I said earlier and Oregon at home. So got some revenge, but I think, you know, Arizona's trying to make a case to get maybe get back on the one seed if they can win this game and win the Pac-12 tournament. So that's what they're trying to do. I don't think they can I I personally don't think it to happen, but you know, Arizona can also take themselves off a three seed with this motivation. I, I don't see why UCLA should care about margin here. They're already the one seed in their tournament. Um I think there's a little bit more mo- of a motivational factor for Arizona. I don't like Arizona's defense so much uh, I love their offense though and guys like Kirk Carissa, uh really need to step up I thought he was a little bit better last year but uh Balo's fantastic uh to Bayless this is just a very good AS, uh, Arizona team and just too many points would be if it was if it's going to be four and a half that's just too many points uh another big game <laughs> UConn versus Nova You know, UConn's going to be a, what, three-points favorite here, most likely. Uh, Haslametrics says four. Uh, Villanova's going to be at home. (laughs) It's going to be hard to talk me off of Villanova. Maybe they they actually make Nova a a one- or two-point dog here. We'll see what the market does right away. I'm going to look at this one early. I mean, Haslametrics has UConn by five. UConn, hot and cold team. When they're looking good, they're looking good, but uh, away from home. They certainly faltered against Creighton, against Seton Hall, even um, a couple other games against Marquette and a few others. So I'm going to be looking to possibly back Nova in this situation. Anything better than a pick 'em is going to be at least of interest to me. Baylor's going to be a big favorite against Iowa State, and Iowa State's a terrible road team, ranking 353rd. Uh, away from home and, and Baylor's number 10 away from home but Iowa State is desperate now you know they've kind of fell back a little bit more bubblish to me um, I know Joe, I don't think Joe Lunardi has him out or anything but he's not always right either this is a situation where they lost six of their last seven games <laughs> you know I mean two wins of the whole month of February against at least Kansas but That was at home and TCU at home. They're terrible away. Do I want to be laying road chalk when Baylor's going to be a six-point favorite? Probably not. What I would possibly do is put Baylor in a parlay piece, find a dance partner for them. So that's what I'm going to be considering as long as the juice isn't too high. You know, There's no reason to bet high juice if the spread's like eight and put them uh, on the parlay because in the long term you lose those bets. So, you know, if it's about a six-point spread, maybe five or six, uh, I'm certainly going to uh, look at the parlay piece. Uh, You know, maybe you're getting minus 220, 230 or something in that situation. Next, we have to go to, what's another big one here? Well, USC is going to have a big game against ASU, USC is going to be at home though. Uh, ASU is a very bubbly team. We'll see how they do against UCLA tonight, but uh, ASU is a team I don't want to fade uh, in this situation. They're trying to get to the the big dance themselves. Kansas State versus uh, West Virginia. Very interesting game. West Virginia at home. I had both these teams as a little overrated personally. I think West Virginia slightly overrated. This should be a two or three point spread. Um, I'm going to say West Virginia, two and a half. If it's not two and a half, I'll be looking to um, possibly back the dog here if it's past that. you know, I might be looking to Kansas State. Another issue, though, at the Big 12 is the big home, ro- home road discrepancy as well. Kansas State only 352nd away from home. So that's not a good number for them looking at that. Texas-Kansas, massive game. Haslametrics has this as about a 148 number. They have Texas winning by two. Texas is at home. Texas with that awful shot, destroying all our tickets on TCU, as you know. But Texas with a big home rally. Texas usually likes to win this game at home. I believe when they played Kansas earlier, they lost by eight points. It, it's probably going to be closer to a pick em. I think that Texas does win. I don't know if I think enough to bet it in this situation. I would probably put this Texas minus two if I was making the line. But being that Kansas is better on Ken Palm, Kansas is going to probably get the nod. It's not better by much, seventh place to 10th place. Texas is a favorite. (laughs) I'm not going to like it as much. But here's what I do like, the over. It's going to be 150 according to Ken Palm. I know that both these defenses are great. I know down the stretch they've been playing a lot of defense, but I can see some desperation here and some fouling with Kansas trying to get to the number one seed. And heck, Texas trying to stay in the two seed if they still are one anyway, because you know, Texas now has eight losses. So um this is a big spot for them. Kansas already won the big twelve outright. So so that's important to know. So looking at the Mountain West. There's some pretty good games going on in the Mountain West. And Utah State is one of them. He's they're gonna face Boise State at home. Um man, there's a lot of Utah colleges, isn't there? <laughs> going to this game, you know, Utah State is probably gonna be a three and a half point favorite. Maybe maybe three. I mean, if you look on Ken Palm, Utah State is lower than Boise State actually they're neck and neck Utah State has moved up yeah it should be about a three point spread Ken Palm's got four I don't think it's gonna be four uh Boise the much better defensive team but they're coming off a big win against San Diego State now I know Boise's trying to make a case to be an at-large team very tough to do in the Mountain West but so is Utah State (laughs) they're trying to make a big case Utah State is all offense no defense you know um very, this is gonna be another awesome game. Anything over three and a half, you take the dog in this side. I don't care, I don't care if it's at uh Boise, I don't care where it's at. This is a, a situation where you take the dog. I, I do not like uh Utah State much on the road, I will say that. I think Utah State has faltered uh in spots they shouldn't have on the road, so I am a little bit concerned. They rank well 219th on the road. Boise's kind of equal 231st at home. So kind of a wash in that situation, but this is a, a meaningful game. When it comes to these meaningful games, I expect last second shots and stuff like that. So I will favor uh Utah State or sorry, Boise State if if they're going to be over three. I don't think they will, but you know, we'll see what it all comes down to all right my friends if you have any questions for any big games this weekend we're still going to talk to kyle hunter on better odds sports betting on friday that podcast comes out saturday morning now let's talk some ufc 285 with our great guest Gamlu. now i'm really happy to welcome back a ufc sports betting powerhouse in mr lou Finicaro. you can see his stuff at Vsin. you can see his stuff at gamlu.com and of course the bout business podcast lou Welcome back to the show. How the heck are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I consider myself a fight enthusiast. I think that covers it really great. been doing it for years, and I'm really tickled to be rejoining you, Kiev, and and talking fights, especially with the card we got coming up.
0: Oh, I've been looking forward to this, man. I was even on a run before we jumped in. A little bit out of breath right now. There's a little rumor that a v-sin person actually records podcasts as he runs i'm not going to mention any names but uh, i if i did that i would die flat on the ground lou i don't even know uh, if i'd come back up yeah uh, i'm not quite in as good a shape as that individual
1: well, it, it, we know that they're not talking about me either, so uh, I know uh, young Mr. Peterson's a driven man, and I suppose a long run, a guy like that needs more than anybody.
0: I'll tell you this. Uh, every time I run, I just can't imagine being in a grappling match against uh, Valentina Shevchenko or or uh, Shavkat Rachmanov or something like that. It's just gotta be absolutely gruesome and uh we have some good fights in this card and that's why i'm so happy to have you back and talk about it of course we have the main event with serial gone and and john jones and we'll get to that but first i want to ask you what your thoughts are in the card in general probably from a fan perspective maybe and from a, a sports betting value perspective well first of all I come from an
1: era from 1985 to 2000 where I had no fights to work. There was was boxing, and it was polluted, and you'd get one good fight and seven suppository fights to get to the good fight, so it wasn't worth it. And then finally, uh, this UFC came along, mixed martial arts, and now I'm the beneficiary of 40 to 44 UFC cards per year, 10 to 15 fights per card. So as a fight handicapper, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't feel more fortunate. And when you get to the 44 cards, you really boil them down to about 10 or 12. And those happen to be the one monthly pay-per-view events that the UFC has where they try and stack names, styles, and personalities into their fight card. We have one here. I love the card. We have ladies fighting. Uh, we have 125 pound men fighting. Yet we got heavyweights fighting as well, nonetheless, on the uh, main event. So, two championship bouts. It's going to be a great card. People that are also fight enthusiasts are salivating over this card to be held in Vegas, however, at T Mobile in the larger cage with fans. Both. Things that have to be factored into one's handicapping, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. And it's a great card because you have the, you know, a lot of people put Nunez as the GOAT. Shevchenko is GOAT B, if anything. Uh, One of my favorite fighters, best technical fighter I've seen, in my opinion. And she's on this card, and I'm real excited to talk about that. And obviously, the John Jones Gone Fight is amazing. I love this card from a fan perspective at least up top i i think maybe down low a it, it, little bit a uh, little bit more suspect i do like brunson i like uh duplessis uh but at the same time it's all worth it for the main card uh from a gambling perspective though lou to be honest with you i am not i have not made many plays and i was looking forward to this show to see maybe if you can take me off or on a certain side of the fence in some of these, but you know, at the same time, maybe I'm a little shy. I I don't, I'm having a decent year. Uh, Last year was really rough on me. Uh, I had a nice comeback at the end, but I I will admit that 2022 was a down year for my betting in the UFC, but uh, I have a good start uh, so far in 2023, but I only want to be on winners and in value. So, Hopefully we can find something, and it's always good to leave a bet off the table uh if you don't think uh it's perfect.
1: Well, uh listen, Kiev, in twenty twenty-two favorites ran sixty-seven percent in the UFC after traditionally for the last decade prior, running sixty-two and a half to sixty-three and a half percent. So somebody getting a hiccup last year is somewhat explainable it happened to me as well wasn't the year that i anticipated in any way shape or form however for those of us that do this as a business and list our results it's right there for everyone to see and really just like a fighter that loses a fight you know you, you have a poor result If you're any good, you go back into the gym, you get in better conditioning, and you look forward to bouncing back in your next fight.
0: Well, if only 33% of dogs won, those dogs must have been the other half of my parlay ticket on a lot of those (laughs) favorites, my friend. Well, we have an amazing card, and we're going to start out with the early prelims. I'm going to pick a, a fight that I'm not quite on yet, but I also think that this number is a little bit ridiculous because I've watched Ian Gary fight. And don't get me wrong, I was on him a couple times, but I also thought that I was I, I had a couple close close calls with him recently. You know, he's kind of the new you know, everyone everyone says this, the new Conor McGregor type thing that they're trying to build up. He's a very tall man, he has a lot of size. Um, but I'm just, you know, he's 10 and know, I'm just not buying this minus 700. I'm not buying that. Um, you know, you're looking at the high 80 percentile when it comes to percentage and of implied odds that Gabe green fight. I thought green had some good shots on him. Uh, you know, he went the distance with weeks, Jordan Williams, Jack Grant. I am not looking at these as high profile fighters, and I'm not saying that Keenan song is a high profile fighter. But he is a winning fighter, and he's been in the UFC for five or six fights. You know, he has a couple losses. uh, One by decision, his recent one to Max Griffin by KO. But I think that if he could last with Gary, possibly catch him, he he seems to throw some uh, decent strikes. He knows how to have a ground game. He's got eight submissions. Maybe this plus 70 is a little bit too much to pass by. So this is my lean. I'm going to lean Keenan Song here at plus 470. I'm going to see what your thoughts are on this fight.
1: Well, I I don't have a ton because as I've been assessing this card, there appear to be one or two uh, fights that I tend to think might be setups. I, I think Song is there by design to make Gary look good uh you know, Gary eight years younger, three years taller. Uh he's a new dad. Uh and he opens 375, now he's six seventy-five. I, I just don't I don't know how to attack that when I think the is clearly behind him. Yeah. I would say this. Uh in essence, as i would assess this fight i do think song is more worthy than this price is giving him and so maybe instead of taking song to win the fight i'd look at that total one and a half over minus 130 i think if you were to take the over you're in essence betting keenan song and i think he's durable enough to take this fight to
0: decision that's a great way to look at it yeah of course that's why i have you on buddy great so i was thinking if you wanted to do two sides maybe you take song inside the distance which gives you a much fatter price but maybe you take ian gary by decision i don't know what that it's probably a still somewhat juiced maybe in that but um you know a, a decision's going to go to him because you said it all right there this might be a setup fight for the ufc and uh you know he's a big name and he's got the size to win a decision obviously if it goes to decision he's going to have some strikes and uh, probably some control too so i like that it's only at minus 130 that is one thing i didn't look at i'm going to study that a little bit more
1: you uh, gary decision plus 240 at DraftKings currently okay okay
0: that's that's better than so, i thought
1: you know it, it, and and really I, both of those that that one there is an opportunity to pick up Gary at a great plus price, but you're really trusting Song to be able to be durable enough. And and listen, th- th- this Chinese thing isn't fake. Uh, the UFC wants success in China. That's why this young man's here. And you've done your homework by looking through the uh, his past record. He's a worthy UFC-caliber fighter, and Gary is still a little bit green.
0: You yeah, Very true. And Song has went to decision on some of his losses to Morano. Um Brad Riddell was a tough fight for him in two th- way back in 2017, but he went past one and a half rounds on that one. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really leaning towards this over minus one thirty. That's not a bad price at all for uh this situation. I think Song is durable enough being that he only lost three times in those three KOs uh uh, gary four decisions five ko's one submission so uh, definitely going to dive deep into that anything on the early prelims that stuck out to you this kid simon that
1: comes in from south africa fighting Mana martinez now we cheated on this one because in the podcast last week i took the front uh the front the uh, canadian fighter Mike Mallet against the other Canadian. And we took him in a parlay, tying him to Simon in this fight. Uh, Simon at the time, minus 250. He's now spiked uh, even higher than that. He's at uh, plus 305 now. He opened minus 180. Uh, the kid is extremely talented, uh, but he's green. He's stepping up and he's 22 years old. So uh While he's highly talented and a lethal fighter, he's going to be giving away some size to Mana Martinez. He's going to be giving away some experience to Mana Martinez. And though I don't think Mana Martinez has the tools that that the young Simon has, I, th- I think this is going to be a highly competitive fight, but I think it's going to be hard for Simon to lose this fight. Now you look at the total in this one, and it's two and a half as a pick'. Em. I think, I think that if anything, Simon could surprise me. I'm looking for a very competitive fight, but one in which Simon wins. And in that parlay, he's a plus 106. I, it would be very, very difficult for me to today sitting here l- saying what I just said to recommend Simon. In fact, I'd almost recommend listeners consider Mana Martinez as somewhat a, a, of a Decent opportunity, experience, size. Uh, The only thing I don't like from Martinez is he comes from glory. And so as a gym, they've been displaced, and I don't know where he spent this training camp. Uh, I'm happy to be on the Simon side at plus 106 when he goes off a minus 300. But if I was looking at it from a perspective without having any parlay on Simon, I, I, I think there's a couple long bomb dogs on here. Uh, I have two or three, I think, before Martinez, and that's why I'm really not that interested in this fight, other than the position
0: I hold. Wow, that is an amazing position to hold. How long ago did you bet that? Well, that was just a that was a parlay. You can, oh, parlayed, you can
1: do okay. these on, on DraftKings. It's it's such a great uh, opportunity. So I was able to parlay a fighter from last week to this week. Oh, there and you so go. So we took a mallet minus two twenty. Simon minus two fifty gives you just over plus uh, a dollar, and so now we're holding great advantage in a favored fighter. But as you know, Kiev, that's that's a good part of the battle, but that ain't all the battle. Now <laughs> the twenty-two year old kid's got to travel across the world to Las Vegas, and you know, bright lights, first big, huge card with John Jones, and and beat a killer. So. Uh, there's a lot of work left to do.
0: There is a lot of work, and Martinez has a little bit of the uh, <clears throat> experience. Yeah, it's uh, he. He looks like a hungry young fighter. I I I leaned Martinez at first look, and then I kind of uh, put a little X through him because I do think that Simon should be the dominant fighter and should win. I hate those ones where you know the price might be a little off and a little over but you still don't think they're going to win. <laughs> you know, the, Hence, that they come up with the term, it's either the dog or just passing on the fight, right?
1: Well, and, and when you're only hitting 33% dogs, it's better to shoot with a rifle, not a shotgun, because... You know, you're getting three a night. You're getting three and a half dogs a night out of 14 fights. Man, that's tough.
0: Yeah, it sure is tough. Totally agree with that. Let's move on to the prelims there. And there's some really interesting fights on this. I will admit that I have had my ups and downs with Derek Brunson. Um, I thought when he fought uh, whoever Driscus DuPlessis fought last time Till that's who it was I'm thinking off my head I was on Brunson at good plus money against Till because I just didn't see Till having the grappling power unfortunately uh Duplessis might I I thought that when Duplessis fought Till not well it, it was a while ago not too long ago he didn't finish him really significantly to me I I thought that Till was in that fight for way longer than I suspected pre-flop blue. So you know, I know Till has to be getting better. I know Duplessis has to be getting better. You have a big age advantage for uh Duplessis here. Duplessis significant strike six point six to Brunson three point five, but you know Brunson's gonna want to get this to the mat. But I think Duplessis can play with him on the mat as well. I just like the fact that Brunson is once again a dog and he's performed extremely well as a dog. So I put a lean on Derek Brunson as a dog. I'm seeing where you're going with on this fight.
1: Yeah, I'm tracking uh, I'm tracking that fight is opening uh, at a number that I believe is correct. And that's Duplessis minus 150, Brunson plus 130. I'll give him that for two reasons. I'll give Duplessis the advantage because he this will be his third fight in seven months. That's a lot. But we're not taking that into account. We're looking at the last two, Till and Tavares. And the good good night. wins. Tavares is not equal to the worst win that our friend uh uh Brunson has had okay. Uh, in the meantime, Till's washed; he's out of the UFC, and he needs to get his head right and hopefully try and enter again. So I look at these two Duplessis wins as being somewhat uh, fantasy based. I don't want to. I don't want to go over the top, but I, I don't respect. I respect Tavares, but Till I don't. And the last win before that, Trevin Giles in uh, in July of twenty one. He is stepping up big time. This is his third fight in seven months. And oh, by the way, Tavares is a wrestler, but didn't wrestle him. He's never fought anyone that's going to go out there with the wrestling chops that Brunson has. Brunson, meanwhile, yeah, he's thirty-nine, long in the tooth, but he was on his way to a championship opportunity until he ran into Jared Cannonier, who he was giving all he could handle to. For Cannonier, caught him. Now Duplessis, a heavy striker, strong guy says he can wrestle. We haven't seen it. In this fight, if it stays standing, I think Brunson's going to be in trouble. In this fight, if Brunson's able to go in there and show off who he's been in against and his wrestling chops and get this thing to the floor and get on top, I think he can be dangerous and reign supreme from on top. I like Simon the South African, but I don't like Duplessis the South African, especially the way this line is moved. You can get Brunson at the plus 180, plus 190 or better. Uh, I, I'm kind of waiting on the wings on this because if it continues to go up, I'm going to be passive and take every bit of money on Brunson that I can as an underdog. I think he shows up and gives a really competitive fight. And again, it's Du flying in from across the world to get acclimated to Las Vegas for the third time seven months.
0: And that's a great point. I think back in 2021, when I had a very good UFC year, I thrived on the dogs plus 200 to plus 220. And I think the reason that is, is because of the parlay pieces would eventually push those numbers up people love parlaying the minus 230s minus 250s because you put those two together you get your minus 105 you get your minus 110 that's just what the general gambler thinks and uh you sometimes get a little extra value on your dogs i can see that with Duplessis. i can see him being a parlay piece with a lot of places and i think brunson has a fighting chance if i was going to line this fight i would think that brunson should only be maybe plus 150 maybe plus 130, something like that, you know? Uh, And then same thing with Plessy. So I am with you on that. I wrote down Brunson as my lean. I'm glad you're on that side. What, why don't you pick a prelim that you would like to talk about?
1: Oh my God, there's a, uh, I mean, the banger is Barrio and Julian Marquez. Unfortunately, I can't quite understand which way I wanna go on this. Uh, I mean, here's two guys that are just mirror images of one another. One's from Canada, one's from us. now uh, Marquez, again another glory MMA fighter that went to Colorado to train up at uh, Factory X. So uh, that's elevation and I like elevation in a situation like that. Uh, he, he's very well rounded. He started and and I track. Uh, favorites that come priced minus 100 to minus 200. Those favorites that open in that range but grow, just like you were saying, let's say a guy opens minus 180 and he evolves into minus 220. That's the biggest segment of underdogs to take and try and be profitable at. I've got numbers, guys, that have helped me with that. Nice. And so uh, this fight kind of sits right in there because we've got. Uh, Marquez that opens as I track. Uh, he's this one. Marquez opens minus one forty-five. Barrio plus one twenty-five. These are bet online, and they take a bet at openers, by the way. And now we see that it's Barrio minus one fifty. The favorite switched, and so Marquez, who went from minus one forty-five, is plus one thirty. Yeah, he's an he, he he's an inch taller. Marquez is. He's given away a little reach in a fight that's going to go right down to the finish. I don't know how you don't consider the dog in a situation like that. I think there's a little bit of action on Barrio. I'm leaning to Marquez right now. I want to wait, watch weigh-ins and everything, but I think to me, uh, when you got a guy, sometimes you got to respect your line maker, and you got a guy that opened a favorite. Now he's a dog. I want to know why, and I may make. Barrio proved to me that he should be the favorite.
0: I think the way he fought Rodriguez ruined it for <laughs> ruined it for him, or maybe made it better for the better. I uh, I mean, he just got hit by everything. <laughs> There's not. A and, he,
1: and that's just. And he knows that. He knows that's why he's there. He's. I mean, and Barrio's the same way. They're in there. They're in there. The fire.
0: Yeah, I mean, he started out so good with Phil ha- the Phil Hawes takeout, head kicked him, and looked awesome back in the Dana White con- uh, Contender Series back in the day, 2017. Darren Stewart, thought I was high on him a long time ago. He ended up faltering. Um, he lost to DeCiro. I, I don't I don't even remember that fight. Yeah,
1: that's a terrible, that's a terrible loss. But that's really before he went to glory mm-hmm. and before he started to actually put himself together a little bit.
0: Okay, so uh, I'm with Marquez. I'm not too impressed by his strength of schedule in general. Rodriguez, God, I, I'm still shaking my head how he lost that last fight. That was that was a shocker for me against that big Brazilian Bruno. But, um, yeah, Rodriguez that is a little chitty. If you hit mm, him right on the point, yeah. he'll
1: go. I mean, that kid Williams in the contender knocked him cold and, mm. and isn't even in the organization any longer.
0: Yeah. I respect, uh, Barrialt's losses a little bit to Anthony Hernandez, a very great fighter. Uh, chitty and it, Dolce, it, he just, he he fought some very good fighters, in my opinion, the last three or four fights. I understand the line. I wrote down Barry old as a parlay piece, then I crossed him out, and then I wrote him down again, and then I crossed him out again. So I I think I'm on the same thought process as you, trying to be like, you know, wh- why do I want to go on this guy um who's had some pretty bad stretches back in 2019 i, I no, don't get me wrong Jocko's a great fighter but andrew sanchez junior park you know he's he's just tier three to me i i kind of think both of these guys are tier free so it almost makes sense to look at the dog kind of what you're saying right here so i'm gonna sit sit this one out i still don't have a lean on this one uh totally get your points maybe there is now value because of that ugly rodriguez knockout with marquez and maybe the big bear of a guy you know comes up and um uh, and and, and well, when's this fight?
1: And I'm not using him. Okay, I'm I'm watching it. I'm looking at it right now. I'm I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I uh, the other one uh, Garbrandt, Trevin Jones. I mean, all week long, I'm on Trevin Jones. I mean, I'm ready to release him. I, I like him. I think you know the 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 Garbrandt being shinny. And then I went and looked at uh, the the uh, fighter interviews. And listen to Garbrandt, I totally changed my tune. That's a no play for me now. I firmly believe that Cody Garbrandt is going to look awesome and win the fight against Jones. And I was all set to bet Jones. And sometimes that happens. I'll go into my week knowing which uh, out of these fights, I know I like this guy and that guy. And then I go in and start to do the work and get my fingernails dirty. And I find out that the guy I liked ain't the guy I can bet. If I'm letting logic take over and not heart, and so uh, you know, that's kind of how I'm looking at that one.
0: Well, let's hope Cody makes logic take over because if he puts his chin out again, he's going to get knocked, and that's his problem. He's been chinny, but here's his fight fights: Kai Car France. He's a great fighter, tier one type fighter. It's a fine loss. Rob Font, pretty good fighter. Pedro Munoz, good fighter. TJ Dillashaw, heck yeah, amazing fighter. You know, I, I, so he has some very tough losses there tough fighters is what i'm trying to say not bad losses good losses you know and then obviously before that he was on a massive run in the ufc won like six seven in a row knocked dominic cruz well he won he won in a decision unanimous against cruz and we remember how good cruz was so uh you well know-
1: and he beat cruz at his own game speed footwork depth, uh, defense And he starts that way in all his fights, starts dominating, and then he gets tagged and loses control and and IQ, poor IQ. However, he's had to move from Alpha Mill to Vegas. His family moved there. The kids showed unbelievable maturity. He's got new coaches. Uh, He's been sober a year. These are things that really matter to me. People may be laughing, but I'm telling you what. I went from watching Cody Garbrandt at the beginning of that, knowing I was betting the other kid, to now I'm off that fight. That's how much I was impressed by Garbrandt. Now, if the other kid goes out and tags him, okay. And is Garbrandt, did he lose his chin? I don't think you can lose a bad chin. But I do believe his mind is set and he's prepared to try and make a resurgence and minus 170. I think when the fight's over, we'll be looking at that saying, we lost an opportunity.
0: Very possible. Uh, you know, what's interesting is that you could maybe attack it two ways. You can say Jones plus 275 by KO and, and Garbrandt by decision, uh, plus 400, plus 450 in some books. I would, I would, I would, that's complete genius right there. I could, couldn't agree
1: more with it because I believe that's how the fight lays out.
0: Okay. Awesome. I'm going to write that down and Cody decision Jones KO. Yeah. We'll take a look at that one.
1: I think our brand's poised to look well. I, I really think he is. I've been critical of the kid i really i love to see a kid uh like a patty or a connor turn around and make it good connor there's no hope for patty there's probably not any hope for but in this case <laughs> no, i not. think there's some hope
0: <laughs> I, I can't wait till patty fights uh what's his face that's gonna be uh you know, somebody yeah somebody Was it, wasn't he uh um, anybody yeah yeah anybody right I, who is he talking with uh I thought I thought that We're was talk on...
1: about Gordon again.
0: Oh, jeez! I thought Pat, he I thought he was Patty what...
1: didn't like that. Patty didn't like that. Nate. I thought Dober and thought... Uh, and someone else criticized Joe Rogan. He didn't like that Rogan and Nate criticized his efforts. So he said he went back and watched that fight, and he agrees with them, and he's willing to give Gordon another fight. I don't know why we would need to see that again. Uh, to me, that was a close fight. I think Gordon edged it, but it, to run it back again seems folly.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. That seems more like a a grudge on against himself. um Yeah, no, I don't want to see it again. I want to see him fight Dober, so I can bet everything I have on Dober and be happy about it. Dober's a tough, yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's just rising up right now too. I, I'm a big Dober fan right now for some reason. I don't know why. Sometimes you just latch on to people. Oh uh, yeah, Omaha, Nebraska.
1: Omaha,
0: Nebraska, my hometown. There you go. There you go. You know, it's funny. uh, Cody, just by the way, has never subbed somebody, and so I'm not too worried about that, and and Trevin Jones has never been knocked out. So there you go. Jones by KO, uh, Cody by decision. I like it. Let's move on to the main card, my friend. Uh, (laughs) Let's start right out with the bottom one, Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett, and poor Jamie Pickett's at plus 900, plus 1,000, and Bo Nickel is at minus 1600 bo nickel is so scarce right now that he doesn't even have a pitcher up on espn but when you look him up you know that he's kind of the next fighter that they're placing in here tough kid from pennsylvania you know he's only got the three uh pro fights in the descender series just 52 second ko uh as a matter of fact every single fight of his has been a minute or less really so uh you know he looks like the real deal i think this number i trust the number uh jamie pickett you have to think that man I I must really suck if I'm at plus nine hundred here. Is that going to motivate him to finally stand up? And at what point do you say, look, the kid has no experience in the UFC? How the heck is he at minus sixteen hundred? This is an embarrassing line for Pickett. A lot of people in a lot of shows I listen to already uh, say Bo Nickel by submission in the first round. You know, I mean, that's the maybe only way you can get plus money on Bo Nickel which is crazy to think of, a kid with no experience. But I'll tell you this, um, Pickett has experience. He's he's bad, he's chinny, his fights get over with, he gasses, he doesn't have a, a good tank on him. I don't know anything about Bo Nickel personally. I don't know much about him, except that he knocked out a couple of bums in the first round. What are your thoughts on this one? Bo Nickel is a world-class American vice
1: grip wrestler, highly decorated, uh, uh, maybe second only to the coach that coached him at Penn State, uh, Cale Sanderson. There you go. Uh, He's from a a winning program at Penn State and from winning programs all the way before the time he was in diapers to the time that he got to Penn State. Uh, Most wrestlers of his ilk, take money and go to other organizations. The UFC always manages to spit up on themselves and miss the talent. In this case, they did not. Uh, Pickett's in there because he's a perfect style, big, tall, long, no takedown defense. This is going to be submission one or submission two. That's how you got to bet it. You just look on. You'll see Nickel fighting uh, top five caliber uh, by the end of the year or early next, and that's because – He's capable of competing with them.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, no, no, nothing else to see. You can tell by his cauliflower ears this man's been wrestling his whole life. So, <laughs> and he's a good,
1: and he's a good kid and a winner and a fan. I mean, the, the the periphery is all solid as well. And so, uh, you ask any UFC, MMA high caliber coach from any team in the world, how they can start their prototypical fighter. It's world-class wrestling and right next to world-class wrestling in the dictionary is a picture of Bo Nickel.
0: Yeah. And Bo Nickel is not just a wrestler, as you can see from his record here, you know, he's finishing guys. So by well, K- KO.
1: wrestlers, wrestlers have to learn how to strike with with precision, accuracy, they also have to learn how to evade strikes. And that's not not easy for them to acquire. A lot of times wrestlers can have it all but be chinny as well. So there's a lot to be tested with nickel. And if Pickett can find a way to hit him on the point, we could learn a lot because that's his only chance to win is to find a way to flush him.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, that would be the only chance some lucky catch but man it yep probably passing on that but i will look to see what round one submission is i mean i it's got to be plus money somewhere Uh, i know round round one is minus 200 just just straight round one is my which might have value that way you get both sides of it you know
1: let's just take a little look here
0: I'm looking on DraftKings, so I might have to switch. Yeah, that's where I'm
1: trying to scroll down as well. Nickel round one minus two hundred. Now that's just to win in round.
0: I almost trust that better. Um, It's just, uh, yeah, it's it. It's just. uh,
1: I love where you're going. Normally, uh, when people say, you know, we take them by sub, take them by KO, I'm an inside the distance guy. Right. I, I, because some you can, you can outthink yourself sometimes, and with an inside the distance, or as DraftKings calls it, to win by KO submission or DQ. But to get that to me makes a lot more sense. Uh, but in fights where you can get a plus number, this fight is unbettable. Basically, if you want to, if we want to bet four or again nickel. It's just going to require a little bit of patience, just like with Patty. We're not ready to fade Patty yet, but the time, it's coming.
0: <laughs> the time is coming. No, makes sense. I will continue to look for that. Uh, those odds. Just by submission is minus 165. By KO is actually a little bit of plus money. So uh, keep that in mind. Let's move on to the next fight. We have Matthias Gamrat versus Jalen Turner. So I'll start on this one. I wrote... <laughs> gamrot i i'm so glad i was on dariush because i felt like the whole world was against me last fight and dariush was just better he's a world-class wrestler so was gamrot but dariush has the had the striking and i'm not gonna lie to you i was on Sarukan against gamrot and i thought surukin won that fight i was very disappointed when they gave it to gamrot but you know that's how that's how it is there's going to be people that say I thought Gamrat won, I thought Sarukin won, whatever, that doesn't matter. Jalen Turner has really impressed me his last few fights. And this man is, was his the Tarantula, right? He is a Tarantula. He's got a 77-inch reach. Think about Garrett 70.5-inch reach. He's 6'3", in the lightweight division. That is just a big, stretchy man. When he fought Riddell... I thought Riddell had a fighting he, he He just wrapped Ravel in his tarantula jaws, just like you're watching The Hobbit or something, and took him out on a nice little joke right there. And I don't know, man. Plus 180. I, you know, here's This is another one of those that I think that Gamrat has got the knowledge and the skills to be able to stay away, pick his spots, get some takedowns, get back up, score some points, and get the heck out of this fight. I think gamrat has got the knowledge to do that. I don't know if Turner's got the gas tank to go far in this fight. That's my concern. But I also see him at plus 180. I lean Turner at that price.
1: Fascinating fight here uh, because you got a guy in Turner that's had a completely full camp. Uh, But he was preparing for Dan Hooker. And while Turner will tell you he was thinking Dan Hooker was going to take him down, uh, worrying about Dan Herker wrestling is folly, let's face it, okay? He was going to face a tall striker, and he was going to get served up, okay? He almost gets Blanchfielded. Here's Blanchfield <laughs> getting ready for Santos, but she gets Andrade, a harder fighter, and here's Turner getting ready for one fighter that's a long, tall striker that he can dominate. Now he gets a world-class wrestler. And listen, Dariush is a world-class talent. And Gamrot's a world-class talent. That was a close fight. And though that Sarukian fight was close, he did get the win. Uh, Turner uh, has displayed no ability to wrestle whatsoever. So as I assess this fight, and I think you were striking on a lot of it, I think Turner's got to find him, and he better find him early, and he better find him cold. Uh, the one thing that Turner has in his favor, that full camp. Meanwhile, Gamrot, three weeks ago, got the call to take this short notice opportunity after he had gotten beat by Darius. He's eaten, you know, Polish sausage and, and blintzes. So he had to fly to Florida and train for this fight in three weeks. So there's what you need to weigh. In my opinion, this is a different class of fighter Gamrot here and Jalen Turner here because of his singular dimension and his uh, inability to wrestle. This will be a fight where I think Gamrot needs to take the steam out of Turner in round one and then in round two or three, wipe the floor with him. And I believe that's what's going to happen.
0: Well, there you go. You said it really well. I That's why I just had to lean and maybe so I over... mean
1: that's what's going to happen uh,
0: of course hey, we know that yeah i i think i overassessed riddell and maybe i'm bitter over that and just now i'm giving too much credit and, and i'm trying to like find i have to find my flaws riddell was washed by that fight yeah probably uh when he lost i mean she lost a exercise. physique yeah yeah
1: a short underside Fazeev was his buddy, and yeah. that took a lot out of him. That was a devastating knock. That was,
0: and he was like Fazeev's kind of groom, groomer too. He the, the 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 trainer beat the coach type situation. Now this fight, I finally have a real play on Lou. So Shavkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal. I admit that I was on the man that uh <clears throat> Jeff Neal just beat, and. I, when I watched the fight, I was like, I was a little surprised, you know, because I didn't know Jeff Neal was quite that good. I think you were on Neal, by the way, uh, that time. I think we were against each other. You won that one. Um, and I will say that, you know, hands of steel, Jeff Neal surprised me a little bit because Luke was someone I thought was a top tier fighter in his weight class here in the um, welterweight class. I just kind of thought that. But, when I watched Luke K. fight, I was like, "Man, he's—he's he's not fighting with any brains." <laughs> I kind of thought, you know, uh, almost like what we said about Alan last week. Even though Alan finally got the job done, it took us a while to get to it. But me and you got to Alan last week, which was really nice. But I kind of look at Luke K. a a little bit like that, and that he makes some stupid decisions, and uh, you know, just he eventually got KO'd. And uh, Jeff Neal was the man to do it. But then you got to look at what Jeff Neal really is. And some of his losses, you know, losing losing to Magny, and uh, that went to decision. Losing Stephen Thompson, you know, Stephen Thompson's a good fighter. Don't get me wrong, but if he gets wrestled around by a real wrestler, not like a guy like Luke, he's gonna lose. But now you got Shavkat Rachmanov, that in my opinion might be a top four guy right now in the welterweight. I think I, you know, I know he's fought in a lot of bums. But he's, he, I watch him fight, and he just overpowers everybody else. It's almost like the Islam Makachev when I was watching him when Islam was younger. Uh, it was the kind of the same, it like Georgia beating up a b- bunch of bad teams. It, it, I, I almost get the same feeling with Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff is a world-class wrestler, and I think that Rachmaninoff is going to take Neil out, and I really think that he's going to take Neil out and gas him before the end of round three. So I took Rachmaninoff at minus 150 to win inside the distance, and I put about a third of that size of a bet on rockmanoff by submission. I think that Neil won't get knocked out, but I think rockmanoff wears him down enough for the plus 175 also to get that submission at the end of the day. Now, this is a little bit of a step up for rockmanoff but I don't think it's a giant step up. your thoughts.
1: I would say that, uh, rarely if I listened to a fellow fight enthusiast break down a fight and leave me without anything to say, but I agree with absolutely everything you said here. Uh, Luke was made for Neil. You don't want to stand and trade with Neil and Rachman, I was only going to stand and trade with Neil long enough to bait him in, to get him into the clasp against the fence on the floor and out the door. And so, uh, Again, Neal's kind of made for Rachmanov. You can get lured in on, on the price. If you want to get crazy, take Neal by KO. Maybe he does a spinning elbow and catches him. <laughs> I don't know. But I happen to to agree with everything you said. I'm very high on Rachmanov and I can't wait for him, who's a guy that's understated, doesn't say very much, to get a shot at this kid, Chimeyev, or somebody else as we get down the line.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? It's a huge compliment when you say that to me, but you still said that you still broke it down better than me. So there you go. Let's move it to the yeah. next fight. And obviously, my second goat or goat B, goat A is Nunez, who I've been on since she's been plus money back in the home, rousy days. And I had to stop when she got to minus1,000. <laughs> I tried to get creative a couple times sometimes it worked sometimes it did but Chef Shenko, she almost beat Nunez and some people thought she did but anyways that was that's her only losses. Chef maybe the best technical fire she's great on the ground she's great on her feet. Um, she's minus 800 minus 900 probably I'll probably be a 1000 by the time this thing closes. I I usually don't use 800s or 900s or anything even above 400 usually in my parlay pieces. But what I do think is that Grasso might be ready to get submitted. And maybe Shevchenko is ready to, you know, do that again. I, I know that Shevchenko is great as she is. Not a lot of power behind her punches I, I think that you know she has KO'd eight times, seven submissions, eight decisions. I just don't know if Grasso is going to have the gas tank to go. Now, I know she's worked on her jujitsu, and she's gotten better at that. She's got some great, you know I, I would say, good wins uh, since the Carla Esparza loss by a majority decision. Back in 2019, Joan Wood, Viviana Ruggio was was actually fighting uh in on this card Macy Barber who is a little bit of a uh <clears throat> you know kind of a ground fighter herself a little bit so in my opinion I just think Shevchenko in the amount of rounds eventually wears Grasso down and if there's any shot I think it's Shevchenko by by submission I took it at plus 260 and the reason that I did take it is cuz it was over 200 there's three ways that Shevchenko is going to win. It's going to be by decision. It's going to be by KO, or it's going to be by submission. The way I look at it, plus two hundred and sixty, that's pretty good odds for that side of it. When Shevchenko is uh, really needs to put the pellets in the metal, maybe get that third fight with Nunez. What are your thoughts?
1: A lot. Uh, first of all, I'm uh, of the opinion that I'm giving Shevchenko. Uh, GOAT A on the women's side, only because she was forced to fight Amanda at Amanda's weight. Amanda I regard as a little bit of a bully, and in that second fight, first fight Amanda won. Second fight, round three, four, and five, Shevchenko won, Amanda was gassing. Now, if we could wave a magic wand and make Amanda get to 130 and have to fight Shevchenko where Shevchenko was at her best, she'd paint her fence but we don't get to see that. And so I'm going to stick up for Shevchenko just because that's how high I regard her. All that said, the chink in her armor was displayed in her last fight against Talia Santos, where she showed some uh, lack of aptitude on the ground against a forceful grappler. And so what she has in this fight is a deft in the pocket striking boxer from Mexico. So I tend to agree with your assessment looking for submission. She doesn't have, uh, uh, Shevchenko doesn't have power. I don't think she knocks her out. I think this little gal is brassy. This Mexican fighter Grasso is brassy. She's tough. She's got as quick hands or quicker than Valentina and she's gonna hold her own on the feet and she's conditioned. But once this fight gets off the feet, that's when most questions occur. The young lady, Grasso, has really improved her ground game, but Shevchenko's a world classer. Maybe her stock is down after the Santos debacle where she didn't look good. Uh, I want to like Grasso. I want a better, I have a propensity. I live in Phoenix. I love the Mexican culture, the Mexican fight culture but it's a hard one to back in this situation. I think if we're looking to find a way to attack Valentina, it's with Blanchfield on the next fight.
0: All right, well, there you go. Blanchfield in the next fight would be the time to yeah blanchfield really shocked me last time too i was bigger
1: uh, bigger girl thick can take her down you can see valentina's already using mental warfare with her saying she's a little girl she's not ready for this and everything that's valentina trying to mentally f with her
0: well i hope valentina's not looking past grasso here so i don't think
1: no i don't think so whatsoever in her interview she's been valentina is as consummate a professional as you can find there's no chink in her professional armor really except one thing and it's right around the horizon and it's undefeated
0: now other time all right good stuff let's move on to the main event then john bones jones is finally back against serial gone and gone gets the heavyweight title by you know default after the francis contract issues and uh I am, I'm not going to say anything right now because I'm so excited to hear your take on this fight. I've listened to a lot of takes. I have my own thoughts. Why don't you have the floor?
1: Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'll start with Gon, who I regard as an unbelievably accomplished heavyweight, especially in his short of time. He started his professional combat career 2016. 2018, first professional mixed martial arts fight. By 2018, do you know how much world class exposure John Jones had between his wrestling and his professional fighting? Vast. Okay. So, with Gone, we've got a guy with very little shallow experience. However, here's a dude that's unbelievably athletic. He's really, he comes from a kickboxing background. So he's really precise. He comes at you from every angle, can spin with elbows and kicks, and he can hit what he's aiming at. Plus, he moves like a middleweight as a guy that weighs in at 261 or two pounds. He's. Uh, undaunted by this opportunity. It's his second chance at the heavyweight title. He's salivating, I think, for his opportunity. And on the other side of the ring, we got John Jones and and the key with Jones and the questions with the GOAT, because we all accept the fact that he was the GOAT, but he's now 35. He's fighting as a heavyweight, so he's packed on weight. How's he going to react in a fight against a bigger man than he's used to for five rounds with the weight? Okay. And then there's three years of layoff. So that's the intangible for Jones and how this fight sets up. The way I handicap the fight happening is that I believe John Jones is the goat. I believe he's trained for this fight as the goat. He's got five other heavyweights in Albuquerque training with him. Uh, most people that are siding with Gone will mention the time off, which is legit. They'll mention the fact that Jones looked poor against other light heavyweights towards the end of his career. That's also true. They'll mention he didn't wrestle. True again. But that's all looking past. And a car with a rearview mirror, the rearview mirror is small. The windshield's big because we got to look ahead. And I'm going to tell you in this fight, John Jones is going to wrestle gone. Because when Frankenstein, I mean, uh, Francis Ngann, who was unable to move in their fight in the fourth and fifth round, he was moving like Frankenstein, got a hold of gun and took him down. Gan is going to be presented with a world-class nightmare aggressive wrestler on Saturday night, and that aggressive wrestler is out to show the world that he's an aggressive wrestler, and we're going to see aggressive wrestling. Uh, we took John Jones at open plus 115 Oof. and and that's all well and good but if i'm sitting here today and seeing John Jones priced at 165 i'm telling you i'm taking John Jones at 165
0: 169 here at bet online great stuff um i'm i didn't make a play on this i'm not sure if i will there's just three red flags that almost go against my ufc handicapping 101 a, you mentioned the ring rust already. Jones not fighting for three years. B, he's stepping up in weight class. And C, over four and a half rounds is minus 145. You've seen these judges before. Um, I, I, I and Maybe Jones does win by points. I mean, they're, they're telling you it's going five rounds. There's a lot of pros and cons that I see to the the John Jones being the goat and everything. I will say he I feel like he his his last part of his career before he his rebirth here, he he wasn't as dominant as I thought. Since he knocked out Cormier with an elbow, we found out he was on the juice then. And I
1: he, uh, and that's been corrected now. excuse the interruption. His nanos were so low that if tested under today's condition, it wouldn't have been an issue and wouldn't have been brought to the press. I believe that fully.
0: Okay, well, he has been uh, caught with other illegal drugs, too so
1: like, oh exactly and and that's another part of my handicap because if he was clean and not drinking i wouldn't be releasing him i want john jones the bad boy out drinking and <laughs> i'm telling you that's what a fighter does
0: i don't know how he has a split decision against santos with his knees dominic reyes five rounds reyes is pretty good
1: When he he fought Reyes, Reyes was a killer and killing everybody, and and Jones beat him, bored as he was. And so, I mean, I get where you're going, and the the, the fascinating part of this fight is that there's going to be very smart handicappers with different schools of thought on each fighter, and we don't know. We got to watch and see what happens. Gone should not be underestimated here in any way, shape, or form, because if Johnny Bones Jones spends two rounds trying to take him down and he can't and he gasses Gon could cut him to ribbons so uh i I want you to continue uh to speak because i think you're presenting the gon side in realistic with realistic uh points
0: let me hate on the gon side now i don't like how he fights on the back of his heels sometimes um i think that gon should have Beaten people earlier if and he he sits back and that's another reason why it's you know they think that's going to go to the decision almost scared and if somebody gets extremely aggressive that's his size like a john jones at six four height size anyway he could fall on the back of his heels and definitely get down and lose this fight he doesn't have the experience that jones has he he blew through the ufc starting in what two thousand and 18, 19, was it? Uh, not, It was really 2019 was his first fight. And, uh, you know, UFC he, fight. Yeah, first UFC fight. He had two, two professional fights before that, okay? That's so, right. So, Starting so, in 18. So he's young and, and, he, and he went through a lot of them. To, he went five rounds with Jorginho, which is just that he was just kind of scared of, you know, Giorgino. He's got some great defense and he likes to sit back and counter, but I don't know if that style, sitting back and counter, is how you're going to beat John Jones because John Jones has the length. He's got the arms ranks. He can jab his way through this. Uh, he can keep his distance and he can set him up. You know? And so it, it, as good as gone is when he fought Francis and I was on gone big plus you know, decent plus money. Um, gone hit that one chance went for like a heel hook or something. He was on top and then Francis rolled him over. I was like, there's your one chance. I will say he put up a good show against Francis but in my opinion, if Francis was lined even with Jones, are you st- are you still taking Jones? Or are you taking Francis?
1: If John Jones faces Godzilla, I'm taking John
0: Jones. There you go. Okay, so that that tells you your conviction. I expected that. So um, I don't have a play on this. I I tend to think that going to decision is the obvious thing, just because Jones has went to decision against some of the bigger guys. But I, I think if it goes to decision, you're certainly leaving it to the cards, which hasn't been too kind to a lot of fighters. And the cards sometimes will lean a little bit towards the current champion. Um, just in general, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. But um, in, in order for them to give up the belt, that's interesting. I wish I was you and took plus 115 is all I got to say. I don't like it at minus my minus 160, minus 180.
1: Um. I would tell you, I, I don't like to be overly confident, but I, I think when we look back on this, we're going to wonder how we could have ever got John Jones at this kind of price. <laughs> as, as far as what he did back then, uh, that's acceptable, but it's rear view. If you listen to his interviews, if, if you see who he's been training with and how he's been training, he's not looking to come out here and try and eke out a win. Okay. Four and a half is a effing joke it ain't gonna get to four and a half kiev well, this fight's go. not going that far
0: that was John probably Joe my lean
1: you not gonna let gan have room and dance and prance and look nice in space it's not gonna happen this is gonna be i believe this is gonna be a lawnmower and spring grass and it's gonna be a relatively one-sided affair i've been convinced of that that's the way i'm betting it i don't think that four and a half is correct in any way, shape, or
0: form. Well, I then let's just say this I'm not disagreeing with your Jones side, I'm just impartial. I completely agree on your under four and a half two a half. Two heavyweights never seen each other. Fireworks can happen. Maybe Jones does gash after these years. There's just so many ways this can go under. Somebody can be brittle in this situation too and get a TKO some sort of a bad
1: cut something goofy yeah
0: yeah uh, let's agree on that lou we are out of time thank you so much for breaking down this wonderful card i cannot wait to go to my buddy's house on saturday he's got one of those big projectors that's like a, a 50 feet long or whatever and we're gonna watch it with some beers and have a good time where could our listeners and viewers get your great information and media
1: uh Lou at Gamble.com's is the email, socials at Gamblu, and the webpage is just about to be up, www.gamblu.com. My podcast, the Bout Business podcast with all my final releases, drops uh, in an hour or two this afternoon. It won't uh, be anything different than what you've just heard right here, uh, but the final uh, releases will be listed there. Uh, Kiev, I, I want to thank you for having me on. You do a great job. You have phenomenal guests. You cover all the sports. It's great. I wish you well. Continue to do a great job, and thanks again.
0: Always an honor, Lou. Make sure you guys check out Lou on Twitter at GAMLOU. Check out the Bout Business Podcast. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions for any of the big games, feel free to tweet us at the Odds Breakers. Enjoy all the games this weekend enjoy all the fights and go get some winners